how many of you know we are far more capable of memorizing Scripture than what we allow ourselves to pursue and explore? Uh, how many of you know we're far more gifted than what we allow ourselves to understand? How many know God has so much more in store for our lives if we're willing to just learn to passionately pursue Him, to allow His purposes to be unlocked in our lives? You know, that really is our focal point during this time. And, and I saw that little boy, and I thought about uh, just, you know, how many verses of Scripture he's learned. And I thought about just verses over the course of my lifetime that I felt like the Holy Spirit was giving me direction to memorize various chapters of Scripture and different portions of Scripture. And so I've been going back and just rehearsing some of those, looking over those. It's just so uh, amazing. There was a young man who, he actually had been homeless, meth addict, came to know Jesus, came to our church family, uh, got involved in our internship, started traveling with me in ministry, and he and I were sharing a hotel room one night um, as we were at a place to minister, and he's laying in his bed, I'm laying in mine, we were talking until we about fell asleep, and, uh, and all of a sudden I hear him start talking again, and I remember thinking, oh, well, you're waking me up, and I, and I, I said, what? And he just keeps talking. And so I lean up out of my bed. I'm not kidding you. His name's Nathan Davis. You know who I'm talking about if you've been here for any length of time. He's now a pastor in uh, Austin, or, uh, Atlanta. But uh, he's talking. And I, I sit up out of bed. This guy who's come from such a background. And I lean over and, and I hear him laying in the bed asleep. Now, therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from sin and death, what the law of sin and death is powerless to do, Jesus did. I mean, he's quoting the entire chapter of Romans chapter 8 in his sleep. I want to just challenge you to know that you and I were designed for so much more than we allow ourselves to understand. And today, I want, to, I want us to explore that. I want us to grow deeper in that. I want us to understand that in a world that is so entertainment central, it is easy to lose sight of the deeper passion God wants to activate in our lives and to see the expansion of his kingdom in amazing and wonderful ways. How many of you believe God wants us to live sacrificially to see his kingdom expand? Come on, I just believe God wants to stir something. Would you just lift your hands and receive it this morning as we step into his word? Father, thank you for the power of your word, for the demonstration of your spirit, for the activation of a deeper appetite in every one of our lives. We want to come together and explore the supernatural reasons for our existence. You have not called us to live normal, natural lives lives. But there is, a, there is another agenda that exists within humanity, and it's born from the heart of God. It's born from a heavenly spiritual realm. There's an entire realm functioning around us. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us understand we are people designed by God to function effectively in both of those realms if we'll not grow distracted in the lesser realm. Awaken us to the purposes of God, we pray today, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And all the people said, amen. We're giving God's word home field advantage in 2020 this year. Do you agree? So our desire, our goal today as we talk about what it is to passionately pursue the Lord, our desire and our goal as a church family is that anybody who experiences the atmosphere that God has entrusted to our care, they would become outrageously loving people. 
who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. Would you say it with me? We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. What does it mean to passionately pursue the heart of God? Now, the thing that we have to be very careful about, and I just want to be cooperative with the conversation God's desiring to have today. And I want to bring my best work <laughs> because that's just not enough. You know, there's something God really wants to do in every one of us today, and I want to be sensitive to that. And the thing that we have to understand is this is not just the natural pursuit of application of biblical principles so that we can live more morally upright Christian-like lives. That's not what our faith is about. It's about something supernatural that actually goes on within us. And I was really blown away when I heard about this. You know, we, we bring this big focus, turn the page challenge, trying to get everybody reading their Bible. How many of you think if our entire church family would read their Bible effectively, it would actually transform our lives and our legacy? How many of you believe that to be the case? I absolutely believe that to be the case. I want to give you a little bit of scientific evidence to suggest um, <clears throat> why I believe that so strongly. Uh, I was just looking into the Center of, uh, for Bible Engagement and research they had done. They polled 800,000, I'm sorry, 400,000 people from ages 8 to 80. They polled 400,000 people from ages 8 to 80. And their goal as the Center for Bible Engagement was actually to discover frequency of reading Scripture. Or in other words, of these 400,000 people, how often did they actually read their Bibles? And that was their original goal. But they discovered something so profound in the pursuit of their original goal that they modified their original goal to become a more primary goal. And it's not necessarily discovering how often people read their Bible, but rather how a comparison of frequency in reading your Bible actually impacts behavior. And this is what they found in their research, that a person who reads their Bible one time a week, which could also qualify as, I'm going to read a few verses to you this morning, and you've come to church. And that could be, for some people, that's the only time they ever think about the Bible or read the Bible or rehearse the Bible. And so for the person who actually only you know, focuses on Scripture one time a week, there is virtually no difference in that person's behaviors dispositions, perspectives as far as behaviors go, actionable conclusions of life, and somebody who doesn't even believe in God. For somebody who uh, reads their Bible twice a week, they also concluded very interestingly, uh, interestingly that there was a negligible effect on behavior. But when they found people that read their Bibles three times a week, they noticed what the, the individual describes as a small blip on the map. Suddenly there began to be some sense of behavioral distinction. Now understand, prior to this, what, what we're saying is if apathy exists in your life in regard to your relationship with God, then your behavior would resemble that of an atheist. And we might call you an apatheist. Very similar behavior in the two. 
But if you get in Scripture three times a week, there's a noticeable result, not a big one, but a noticeable result. But here was the astonishing uh, research that they, they discovered was four times a week in Scripture, and you spike off the charts in terms of a difference in your overall disposition and behavior. Four times a week, and your anger issues drop by 32%. How many of you need to get some anger issues under control? How many of you are mad right now? I'm talking about this. <laughs> anger issues drop 32%. Feeling lonely drops 30%. Bitterness in relationships, marriage, kids drops 40%. Alcoholism drops 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops 60%, and you would be 228% more likely to share your faith if you are in the Word four times a week. And then I thought this one was interesting, particularly because of the launch that's coming in the conclusion of the 40 days, where we're wanting to partner with both men and women who want to conquer the epidemic of pornography that has invaded our society. We're launching support groups, and we'll be giving you dates and times in the very near future, because in the concluding of the 40 days, we want to invite people to step in and find a support group so that we might rise above this, but understand and recognize in the Word of God, four times a week, viewing pornography drops by 61%. Those are some interesting statistics. If you're interested in anything that I mention, like a support group or uh, anything at all, the, the Connect card that Jalen mentioned uh, that's in the seat back, that's the, the little thing right there, however he said it. Uh, it's, it's right there. You can just fill that out and drop it in the giving station. What we want to do is discover the patterns that God desires for us to possess because, folks, your patterns reveal your priorities. I, I had somebody one time tell me, um, well, I mean, that's a priority, but I just don't have time. And I said, well, you might want to call it something else then. Because priorities are those things for which you make time. That's the very essence of them being priorities. And so anything that you're interested in are walking with you through helping you with, partnering with you, helping you find a place. Had somebody this morning uh, catch me and they said, I just want to know, what's the step to get more involved? I have such a heart that we might help the homeless and this is the way you do it. You fill out a connect card, give indication of what it is that's on your heart, drop it in the giving station. Our team begins to walk that out. We'll make sure that you get aligned in conversation with the right people. We have an entire process of walking out how to launch a ministry expression we are believing God for 20 points of societal transformation to be born out of 2020. Maybe you are carrying one of those 20 points of transformation in your heart and you have not yet figured it out. Perhaps because you've been so distracted by living on such a lower level than God designed you to live when you start to get into the Word and get in places of prayer and start to let your ask be known before God, things begin to be unlocked. I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit right now unlocking dreams in the house. House. Can I get an amen? amen? Come on. I want to go where God wants us to go as a church family, and I want to take everybody we possibly can with us yeah. into eternity I'm talking about. Christians, this is your first blank, Christians who do not engage in the Bible most days of the week are statistically the same as non-believers. How many of you know that 
in our society, it's kind of hard to tell the difference in terms of lifestyle between believers and non-believers in many respects. We should be walking in another dimension of power and strength and authority. And I believe God wants to activate that in our lives, particularly coming into 2020, where we start to see the invisible. And when you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. That's why the Bible says, fix your eyes on that which is unseen. In other words, something within you comes alive. And that which exists within you is actually greater than that which exists around you. That's why you can be in the heart of a storm and peace can come out of what's in you even though there's a storm around you and Jesus spoke out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth began to speak and said, peace be still and the, and the storm on the outside calm because the power exists within in the kingdom of God in a profound and amazing way. I'm talking to Christians who carry the capacity to transform society as a whole. I want the church to come alive in the purposes of God, and that will require that we passionately pursue the Lord Jesus Christ without allowing apathy even to creep in while we're having this conversation right now, and the Holy Spirit is wanting to activate some things in our hearts. In this room, online with us right now, Holy Spirit, have your way. Do, Lord, what you desire to do. We don't want to just sing about making room for you. We want to live our lives in a way where we make room for God and God's purposes and God's agenda. In the name of Jesus. Is it possible? How, how many of you have ever been overdrawn before? Can I just see? Just You know, you get that notification, overdrawn. Man, that's a bummer. Uh, you know, what that means in your account is that you've taken out more than you put in. And so when you are taking maximum withdrawals, making minimum deposits, then you live your life overdrawn. Is it possible that we have actually, um, you know, with God, we've made minimal deposits and expected maximum withdrawals? Is it possible that that's where we dwell, like feeling like, you know, it's okay, God will take care of it because he's God, and after all, I've got all these reasons that I can't really live a sacrificial life. You know, reasons are just the excuses behind our rebellion. That's really what happens in all of our lives, myself included. I can, I can give, I can tell you, I'll tell you right now, I know that part of my call from God and part of my wiring is to be a communicator. That's why I stand up here frequently and I articulate messages and I put them into phrase expressions and we all can, you know, in many instances find these memorable little phrases and, and I've had this communication give my entire life. My mom and dad can tell you that as a child I was very, very astute at formulating particular expressions and dissertations to convince them of why I should get my way. Very manipulative abilities as a child. Yeah, you understand. And I could come up with every reason and convince them. And I could convince my mom a little more than my dad. My dad would many times, I remember, uh, I would, you know, give my reason and my mom would be, oh, you, oh, sweetie, 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 you know, you're so wonderful. And, you know, and my dad would just be over there doing something like this. Oh, <laughs> he could see right through it. How many of you know God sees through everything? I want to challenge you in this because we are so bad at expecting a maximum withdrawal when we make minimum deposits, and in fact, it's shaped the way we translate our theology. And I, I want to, this is going to be a very challenging idea for you, but I'm going to 
toss out a verse that probably everybody in the room has heard, and you could uh, finish it with me. In fact, if you've heard this verse, why don't you say it with me really loud? No weapon formed against you will prosper. All those who rise against you will fall. Isn't that a great verse? Woo, I love that verse. No weapon. Ho! I can preach that verse. No weapon will formed against you will prosper. All those who rise against you will fall. It's a great verse. You know, when we look at the context of that verse, it gets even better than just that verse. Everybody say context. Context of overall scripture is really important. Taking little verses is great, and we we use those verses, and rightfully so, to bring application into our lives, but getting a bigger picture of what God's truly trying to reveal. I want to challenge you in this, and let's take a look at the overall context, and it gets even better. We're going to, that was Isaiah 54, 17. We're going to go back four verses to verse 13, and you just say amen if you want this applied to your life, all right? All your children, verse 13, all your children will be taught by the Lord. Amen. Isn't it amazing? When my daughters were on the playground with other children, they, unlike other children whose parents are not believers, did not have the Spirit of God whispering into their ears. You understand what I'm talking about? I'm so thankful my children have grown up with the sense of being taught by God. Do you understand who you are and what that actually means in terms of the legacy of your life? This is powerful. It goes on. All your children will be taught by God, and great will be their peace. Praise God for the peace of God that passes understanding that my children will possess as a result of the faith and the covenant that we are in as believers. Verse 14, in righteousness you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. Amen. Are we giving God's word home field advantage? Verse 15, if anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. And that's powerful. Then we get to the verse that we're always quoting. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Now that's the famous part of the verse. But while we're talking context, why don't we look at the whole verse? And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. Very important. This is the heritage of the servants, servants of the Lord. Everybody say servants of the Lord. This is the heritage of the, I, I love these promises, but this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. These are amazing promises, but these are the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Serving the purposes of God in your life unlocks the promises of God in a unique, remarkable, and wonderful way. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. There seems to be this clear indication that these amazing promises come to those who serve God's purposes, the servants of the Lord. I just want to show up to church and just get what I can, not really get involved, not really serve the agenda of God, not really expand the kingdom, and no weapon formed against me will prosper, and all those who rise against me will fall. That's, I'm just going to quote that promise. Are you being a servant to the purposes of God? This is really unique, isn't it? Is Jesus Lord of your life? 
Is Jesus Lord? Raise your hand if Jesus is Lord of your life. Come on, hallelujah. See, let's talk about that. Jesus, Lord of your life, means your time, your talent, and your treasure. I'm talking about the most, in, most valuable resources of your life belong to him. Your time, the way you spend your time, your talent, the gifts that you have, you're gifted, and your treasure. I'm talking about tithes, offerings, expanding the kingdom, seeing God. I mean, there are things God wants to do through our surrendered available lives, and if we're really allowing him to be Lord, then he's in charge of our time, our talent, our treasure. So let's think for just a moment, if Jesus had your life for one year, he just said, I just want for 2020, I'm going to go to your job, and I'm going to meet all your coworkers. How many of you think that might change the relationship you have with all your coworkers if Jesus showed up at your place? Uh, he said, I'm going to drive your car, and I'm going to live in your house. Uh, I'm going to go to your coffee shop. Whatever, you know, whatever your routines are, that's going to be what I'm going to do. I'm going to be in charge of your bank account. Uh-oh. What would your life look like one year from today if Jesus took control of all that stuff, how many of you think your life might look a little different? Can I just say, we're just being honest, might look a little different. So let me ask the question again, is Jesus Lord of your life? I mean, it creates a bit of inner tension for me. Maybe you've, you know, resolved that he's totally Lord of your life. But, but for me, I'm having a little inner tension as I'm thinking. So if he was actually in control of everything for a year and then he handed it back to me, why would it look different if he's not Lord of my life now? See, you and I are going to have conversations 10,000 years from now. 10,000 years from now. I mean, think about it. It's going to be a, an entirely different perspective that we'll be standing in in the presence of God, earth and our lives on earth, you know, in that which existed for thousands of years of life, and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon, Mary. Yeah, you understand, all these people are going to be there. Who wants to meet Peter? Who wants to meet Peter? I want to meet the guy that chopped off the ear. And, you know, I mean, I want to, he got crucified upside down because he was so devoted to the purposes of God that when they said they were going to crucify him, he said, no, I'm not worthy to die a death like my Lord Jesus died, crucify me upside down so the resemblance does not exist. I mean, it's a, I want to meet this guy. I want to, I want to talk to Esther. I, I want to, you know, it's going to be an amazing progression as we, as we talk to all these people that we've read about in Scripture. And 10,000 years from now, this faint memory of the earth, I don't know how we're going to know because we'll know and be fully known. I, I don't recognize all, you know, how that's going to work. But I do know there are going to be these conversations. And I believe that the conversations are going to go something like this. Oh, which uh, era did you serve the kingdom of God in, in human existence, in your earthly assignment? Which era of time? And there'll be somebody next to you, and they'll say, oh, I was in the 1400s. Oh, 1400s. That was, that was crazy. Like, what was going on in the 1400s? And, and, and you're going to say, uh, I was in, uh, like, 2020. I saw 2020 come to pass. It's like, wow, you were part of the 2020 era. That's like... That's like 2020 vision, like clarity of God. Things begin to materialize right before your eyes. That was part of the plan that God set into motion. What, what territory did you serve? Like what 
what part of the planet were you on when this strategic season was coming to pass? And you say, oh, I was in Western territory, actually the USA. Wow, USA, you were in the wealthiest district of earthly kingdom expansion. Wow, tell us about it. And you would say something like this, well, I mean, it was awesome. You know, I, I, I really, I mean, I, I couldn't afford to live a very sacrificial life because I, like, I had a lot of debt. But, but I loved sports. I mean, Russell Westbrook, have you heard about him? Like, he played basketball in my era. I wore the jersey. I, we, we welcomed him back when he came back to Oklahoma City. And, and, and I'll be, I loved sports. Oh, sports was so amazing. And, and you should have seen my house. Was, my house was pretty cool. Had and a nice car. And, and I wore Calvin Klein designer underwear. Had the little CK. It was, it was amazing. Like, life was amazing for me. And people like John Wesley and Smith Wigglesworth and Peter, who was crucified upside down, will be standing there looking. Corey Tim Boom, they'll be standing there looking like people that live such sacrificial lives. What are they going to say? Peter, like, I died upside down in the crucifixion to hand the baton off so that it would be handed to that kind of disposition. Our patterns reveal our priorities. So I just want to ask you, I, I'm, I'm in no way trying to bring any form of condemnation. I am asking, Lord, bring correction to give direction so that we might become the people he's called us to be with an eternal point of view in the way we steward these few years and limited resources that seem to, to hold our, our mindsets captive. How do we take those things and put them in his hands and say, God, what are you trying to do here? You know, I... I do believe that there are some things that don't happen unless we fast and pray. Jesus himself said, these kind don't come out except by prayer and fasting. There's something unlocked spiritually over our lives when we fast and pray. And, um, and you know, normally we take the first 40 days to focus in a lot on some fasting emphasis. And, and, um, and this year, we're, we're shifting that into February. So I'm taking January to kind of talk about this and encourage you to prepare your heart for it. It just so happens that on February the 23rd, I believe it is, we're going to do a worship, prayer, and prophetic evening. And, uh, and February the 2nd is 21 days prior to that. And on the February 2nd, we're going to launch a 21-day Daniel fast. And, uh, and want to encourage everybody just on those 21 days to really allow yourself to make a sacrificial expression to be more mindful of the presence of God. Whatever that looks like, typically the Daniel fast, simply put, is no meats, no sweets. And you just, you know, allow the, during that time of just fasting and praying and pressing in. How many of you believe that if we will fast and pray and press into the purposes of God and then we gather together on purpose to conclude that fast with worship on February the 23rd, it actually could have an incredibly detrimental impact to the atmosphere of the kingdom of darkness in this city. I mean, we, we just have to think like that. We have to think in those terms. We're not here to try and get you to show up to church. We're here to try and get you to become the church. 
You can't go to church because you are the church. So we gather as the church to be empowered by God more readily to go out and expand and express the kingdom of God in powerful and profound ways. You know, uh, Brian Hart sent me a message this last week telling me, in our community groups, I'm, I'm really wanting us to focus in a lot on what our personal pursuit looks like. The last thing we want to do is get people in the habit of being spoon-fed, entertaining information, calling that the kingdom of God. You understand? I'm, I, I'm, I do enjoy communicating, and I want to square things away you know, conversationally with you as a church family so that you really understand it. I do not want to entertain you. Sometimes I'll be funny, but you know what I've learned? You can't kill a giant with a joke, and the agenda is just way too serious for me to get up here with some mindset of keeping everybody entertained enough so that they'll keep coming back. Come on, let's grow deeper than that in our faith and our walk with God. And Brian sent me this message, and we're starting groups now with this focal point. Where have you been reading in your Bible? What have you been hearing God say? This is the beginning of our groups now. We really want to start to focus in. Are you turning the page, or what's your devotion style look like? You know, if you want to do something else, then where are you reading, and what are you hearing? And Brian sent me this message, and he said, it was amazing. Everybody in the group shared what they'd been hearing from God, and everybody in the group was hearing the exact same thing from God. How many of you know that's New Testament Christianity where conversations are becoming confirmations that we're all hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying? The Holy Spirit is alive in you! Like, we're not out here trying to do the religious thing, hoping it all works out. Like, God is orchestrating this. If we'll learn to pay attention... It was profound. This last week, about 18 people uh, traveled with us to, to Dallas, and we spoke at this conference, and, and I ministered that night on, on just what it is to really give yourself to the prophetic expression of God. Out of that ministry time, I was so moved just to press in deeper. I want to hear God. The next morning, I was just out praying and listening and, and asking God just to speak to me what it was he wanted to say. And he began to put Governor Stitt on my, on my heart. And gave me a specific word for him. And I actually got that word to him, a prophetic word from God to the governor of the state of Oklahoma. Now, he's never called my cell phone before, but I want you to know, Saturday morning, the governor called my cell phone. Tracy and I are sitting there. And he said, I just want to say thank you for sending that word. It was a two-part word. The first thing was something that I knew was going to immediately happen. And the second part was something that's going to transpire over the next three months. And he said, I got that word from you, and I just reflected on it, didn't think much about it until later in the day when the first part of that word came to pass. He said, I called my whole staff together because they were all freaking out. And he said, I just said to them, I want you to know God's not taken by surprise. Listen to this word, Pastor Lawrence of Destiny sent. And he read the word and was able to say, God knew this was going to happen before it happened. And how many of you know the next three months what God revealed is going to take place? I believe God wants to awaken the church. Come on. God wants to awaken the church. Will you call it in on your own life right now? Will you just call it in on your own life? I want to passionately pursue the Lord my God. The Spirit of God and the truth from heaven should mark our lives. We are not playing patty cake Christianity. 
There is something God has deposited in this house, and it's utterly significant to societal contribution transformation. And this is why I want to share something with you today. We are a family on a mission. We are a family on a mission. And I've been saying since this last year that I've really sensed the Lord was saying 2020 would be a year that we would experience and begin to release 20 points of impact, 20 points of transformation that would make an impact in society. Probably 13 of those things are in motion right now. It's interesting. We're working to cultivate and develop that so that we can explain all of it in the process. But there's something that's been unique that's come about that I need for everybody to be aware of and everybody to be on uh, absolute alert that it is time for every one of us to step up in another, in another realm, in another level of our time, our talent, and our treasure. How many of you want to see the kingdom of God expand? How many are you ready to release something of God's kingdom in the earth? Come on. Amen. A few months ago, we were made aware of a property that was for sale in Choctaw. And so our leaders gathered together to pray on this, talk about it, go and take a look, see what was going on. And we really began to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, was this supposed to be an expression of destiny in another part of the community, the Oklahoma City metro area? We, I mean, we evaluated, we looked at pricing, what that would look like, income to debt, so on, all the things that we needed to be evaluating. And as we were praying, the Holy Spirit said this, this is right, but it's not right now. So we don't know if that location is right but here's the thing that we need to all be aware of. We do believe it is part of God's plan for us to launch another service in another location carrying the kingdom culture that God has entrusted to our care to begin to expand in our society in a way that is producing transformation in the Oklahoma City metro. How many of you agree? I believe God wants to do something. I don't know how all this is going to work. How many of you know we know in part and we tend to prophesy and announce in full? I'm not doing that with you today. I'm, there, there really isn't more than what I'm about to say. I'm telling you where we are, and I'm just being transparent with you about it. We believe it's part of God's plan for us to launch another service in another location. We're praying about what location that is. We're asking God what that's supposed to look like. We are not anybody else. We do not want to pattern after somebody else. We want to discover what God wants us to do. When I start talking about another service in another location, then you might start thinking about other churches that do something. We're not, we're, that's not even on our radar. That's, that has nothing to do with this. This is just something we felt like the Lord has asked of us, and we're going to discover what God wants, not what somebody else might have successfully done. It's very important. So as we begin to understand more of what God has in mind, some of you are going to really feel the call to be a part of helping bring that about. I mean, you know, that's what it's about, sensing what God's direction is. And at some point in the future, that's when we're going to start to have official interest meetings to talk more details that we then know uh, of what God's really stirring. For those that would be interested, they would come to the interest meeting and we would talk about the process of making disciples in another location. This means we really need to work right now to build our serve teams strong in the house. You understand if God drops a church on us, and do you, I don't know if you realize, like we'd be having a very different conversation had we looked at uh, eight weeks ago, we're going for this. <laughs> like 
we'd all be losing our mind right now. <clears throat> How many of you want to see the entire city saved? How many of you know if the entire city gets saved, the church is going to be freaked out? I mean, we've got to get ready for what God has in store. That's why it's important that we're paying attention well in advance and walking it out strategically, prayerfully, as much as we possibly can. So I want to ask you, help us build serve teams. We want to cultivate and develop a reinforcement of what our serve teams are about so that we could at any time... Uh, that, it's, that that time is determined and the Lord reveals that and maybe that's going to be the latter part of this year. Maybe it's going to be next year. We don't know. But bottom line, those who feel called to stay will be able to stay, allowing those who feel called to go help develop another service in another location because we have developed our serve teams to be so strong that we're able to manage that at that time. We know in part, we prophesy in part. It's important that you understand that. So here are just a few things. I'll ask the worship team to come up. How many of you know we're really good at hospitality? That's a, that's a beautiful thing. For those of you who made it here uh, to the 9 o'clock prayer, uh, Pastor Chris was leading prayer and talking about some families that don't necessarily have a church background, but they have discovered uh, our heart to love people. Like, we don't judge people. We love them, and we let God iron out your wrinkles. Isn't that great? I'm so glad I don't have to be in charge of your wrinkles. I've got enough on my own. Uh, to deal with, uh, but, but it's a beautiful thing. That, that It's just a beautiful culture that God has really entrusted to our care, and I believe that the Lord wants to expand that in the metro area so that people will truly understand the love of Christ. I actually had a family that had been in church since the, the adults were now uh, in the latter 40s, and they'd been in church their whole life, and they came to me, and after every church service for five weeks, they were standing in the back crying, and, and I went to them afterward, uh, after five weeks or so of this, and I, I began to talk to them, and they said this, they said these words, we've been in church our whole lives, and we've never heard the true message of love. This is a really important thing that God has commissioned us to in our society. So I need you to understand that there's a lot God's entrusted to our care, that we need to be willing to explore how to express that. I also need you to understand something else. We live in a society that's very consumeristic, and church in, in general has been made as a very consumer product. In fact, the call of God has become more about self-fulfillment than it is about kingdom advancement. You listen and think what I'm saying. You, you, wanna, you really want to feel good about yourself? You really want to discover your purpose? Come get on a serve team. I mean, it's a manipulative effort to get people to help build something we're trying to build. That's not what we want to do. The kingdom of God is about sacrifice. The kingdom of God is about making it happen for others and leaving how God makes it happen to us up to him. But it's focusing on others. And I had a person talk, had this, this conversation with me. They came, they said, you know, we really didn't want to go to a small church and the church we've been going to is just so big. We just feel so lost. Man, destiny is like a big church, but it's not too big. It's the perfect feel. It's the perfect size. So we're going to start coming here. And I literally looked at them. I said, oh, no. And they were shocked. Like, what does that mean? I said, well, you do understand, like, if we were the perfect size and now you're adding to that. And listen, let's don't pray for any of your friends and family to get saved. God forbid they get saved and want to come to church and then ruin the perfect size. You understand? 
It was really a spirited interaction we had through that whole conversation. But the bottom line, none of this is about us savoring what we love, and, but it's all about us focusing in on Him. Man, I'm so thankful for the amazing grace of God and the love of Jesus, aren't you? I want everybody in our society and every nation of the world to experience his amazing love. Come on, let's stand together. I want to do whatever it takes on our part to see that everybody within our reach experiences the amazing grace and the amazing love of God. That's why your action point today is pretty simple. Do you want to passionately pursue the Lord? Is there something God's stirring in your heart? connect card. You know what would be a fair thing for you to put on this connect card? Put your name. I'm struggling in an area of my life. If you want to be involved in something, you say, I'm, I'm willing to serve, then that's great. But if you just want to be honest about, you know, I'm having a hard time with, uh, with feeling motivated to serve. I'm having a hard time with giving. That would be a fair thing for you to put on here. And we just ask God to begin to help you. you listen, give God something to work with. A starting point it's a seed like do something just a just a I, he's the master at doing more than you thought he could but less than you thought he needed <laughs> like five loaves two fish boom five thousand people what could he do if you just started giving a little bit just to say lord i'm gonna try to trust you in this what could he do if you turn this in and you started serving helping really strengthen the serve teams lord i pray that there would be a sense in all of our hearts of what it is that you desire to accomplish through our surrendered available lives so that 10,000 years from now we'll have a conversation looking back at how we were instrumentally used by God to expand the kingdom of God in the earth in the year 2020 in the wealthiest nation on the planet. You've gifted our lives with so very much and today, Lord, we just say, do what you desire to do. Have your way. In the name of Jesus. You know, I'm just declaring Jesus came and he is who he says he is. He's the savior of the world. He died on a cross that we might have life. Then he rose from the grave to prove who he is. And that life is in the room as we're willing to surrender to him. When we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we are saved and salvation is initiated in our lives. And then we spend the rest of our lives making him Lord. Come on, if you believe that, you declare Jesus is Lord today. Why don't you give him praise right now? We just lift up the name of Jesus. We honor you today, Lord. Come on, Jesus is Lord. What you have to understand is your response to that revelation and that truth could very well be a moment of salvation in your life. If you've never prayed to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, then that response is that declaration. Believe, there's not like a magic formula, magic. These are the magic words. It's your heart. It's your confession. It's your declaration. Do you want Jesus to be Lord of your life? Wherever you are in this journey, I invite you to take the Connect card and as a spiritual act of worship even, fill it out today and take a step.
steps can look different. For some people, the first step is today, I'm giving Jesus my heart. For other people, today, I'm taking a step to begin what? Let us connect with you and help you walk that out more effectively. Lord, I pray that just even in a few moments that we'll have in worship to conclude our congregational assignment together, stir something in our hearts, Lord, as we make room. We make room. We make room for you to have your way. We make room for you to take us deeper in a true relationship with God Almighty, to be more regular and faithful in a relationship with your word, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to discover a deeper sense of passion in our pursuit that we might know you more effectively and make you known more effectively. Amen.